Hello and welcome to another episode of the Performance Car Podcast. I'm the Associate Editor of Motor Magazine, Scott Newman, and with me today is CEO of BMW Australia, Mark Werner. Hello, Mark. Hi, how are you? So, and we're also on, uh, we're in a BMW M140i today, that's why we're in Tasmania, we're on the fantastic Targa roads of Tasmania, which Mark is enjoying at the moment, and we're here because of the life cycle impulse. What's a life cycle impulse, Mark? So our product life cycle is usually six to seven years and every three to three and a half years we give our cars a refreshener. Okay, so it's basically, it it's basically a facelift. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, we're in Tassie for the facelift of the BMW 1 and 2 series. We're in the BMW M140i. For about a year it's had the new B58 engine, 250 kilowatts, 500 newton meters. But it's now 59,990, so they've cut a few grand out of the price. So bang for your buck it's a pretty impressive machine as well as mark is demonstrating at the moment yeah. so but it's we're gonna a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna have a bit of a chat about all things bmw but before that mark maybe explain how you came to be in your current position how did you end up at uh, bmw yeah. at the boss of bmw australia so as a matter of fact i actually started with bmw some 20 years ago and um, actually started in uh, in russia setting up operations over there, uh, which was quite an experience, as you can imagine. And um, I had various different roles in, uh, in headquarters as well. I was working in corporate strategy, mergers and acquisitions, product management, marketing, and so on and so forth. And finally, um, I got to Australia. So I've been heading the operations for more than three years now, and, uh, and it's been fantastic so far. Okay, fantastic. So. In that time, what are the what's unique about the Australian market in terms of opportunities or challenges? For instance, um, Australians tend to buy a very high percentage of performance-based products, M products, that sort of thing. Yeah. But in general, what are the challenges and yeah, what, yeah. what yeah. you found in the Australian market? Well, there are definitely more opportunities than, than the challenges, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Um, as you know, the Australian car market is, we call it the box market. So it's been hoovering around 1.1 million car sales on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And um, what is uh, really worth uh, mentioning or noting is that the demand for premium cars has been uh, growing over the last five years. So the premium segment, which is the segment that we are operating in, um, used to hoover around 60,000 units um, in, in, uh, five years ago and uh, has now increased 120,000 units, which is, which is awesome. And uh, we believe that there is uh, further opportunity to grow the premium segment here in Australia, which is, as I mentioned before, the segment that we are operating in. Okay, Does the, just on that, is there an issue with premium volume in terms of, um, you know, by its very definition, premium is sort of exclusive, it's aspirational, it's, you know, sought after, so then, it's a stretch to say everyone's got one, but you know what I mean? If everyone's got a premium car, is it still premium? How do you operate that in terms of chasing volume as a premium manufacturer? Well, you always have to um, balance um, volume aspirations and, and what, what the customer actually mm -hmm. wants. But I believe in that we have a perfect lineup as far as our um, product portfolio is concerned. So we have offered something from the one series all the way up to, to, to the seven series for each and every customer um, in, in Australia. Mm -hmm. So um, that is, that is um, what, what our sales and marketing strategy uh, caters for. And um, as I said before, there, there is a growing demand for, for premium cars. And so customers that are currently driving not a premium car, they want to move up the ladder. Um, um, premium cars are more affordable than ever. And um, so we are seeing quite a good demand.
demand for our products. On that um, cost thing, it's with the parallel import story recently and um, the government's ruling on that, there was a lot of talk and there's this conception that we pay a lot for cars in Australia, yet some manufacturers are offering their models at quite reasonable prices and prices that quite reasonable in the sense that they're the same price roughly that they were 15, 20 years ago. An M3, for instance, is no more expensive now than it was 15 years ago. So how do you respond to that by people, to people who say that we do pay too much and, you know, that certain manufacturers are just, you know, um, taking the mickey, they're, they're just, they're just um, having a lend, so. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we are very appreciative of the government now putting a full stop into these uh, talks about parallel imports, which would have been disaster for the for the industry um, overall here in, in, in Australia um, on the one side, but in particular for, for, for employment, for, for, for jobs in, in Australia. Um, when it comes to pricing of, of those cars, if you do the math and if you compare them like for like, and so what is really important is uh, to note that the Australian spec level is already extremely high. So you cannot just compare a sticker price um, of, of the US, um, um, how you're buying a car here in Australia compared to any other market in, in around the world and then say well overseas and the, the car is um, cheaper. So you really have to make your, your, your proper analysis and compare apples with apples and not apples with pears in order to, to understand the implications and we've, we've run those analysis uh, quite a lot and it clearly shows um, that um, if you obviously have to take out the luxury car tax that we are um, on high Australian-only sort of um, initiatives as BMW, which is in interesting. The the Pure model, for instance, which you've yeah. uh, offered uh, M5, now the M3 and M4, which has just come out, the M2 um, with some success, and we also saw recently the BMW M140i Performance Edition, which was a limited run car um, for Australia only. What's the what's the thinking behind that strategy, and have you, is that something that's been adopted by other markets, something that other markets has looked at at all? Uh, the, the pure concept is a BMW Australia specific approach and uh, we, we are very proud of that. We started that with the previous generation M5, so the F10 and it uh, has immediately taken off, it has immediately proven to be successful and uh, that's why we actually adopted that concept for, for the M2 Pure, pure for example and um, definitely we are going to roll this out uh, to other M models as well. We just recently introduced it uh, on the M3 and then the, and the M4 so the question is what we're going to um, to do with the M5, but uh, let's wait and see. Okay, so watch this space in terms, it's a, but it's certainly a thing, something you want to roll out across other M products. Yeah, and yep. absolutely, because we believe that you should really provide a puristic um, M car, or and puristic M pure, as the name suggests, is definitely uh, the right way forward. Fantastic. One of the real things I want to talk to you today about is it's a rare opportunity to talk to you know someone at the, at the head of a special premium sporting car company. So the future of performance. We had a presentation last night with you about BMW's um, sort of future plans, future vision, and we saw at Frankfurt um, a lot of talk about you know autonomy, electric, electricity, and that sort of thing. BMW is interesting in that it's got sort of a foot in both camps. You've got I-performance and you've got M-performance. So you've got sort of traditional sporting values, I guess, and new age, hybrid, electrified cars. So 
Do you see that? Where do you see the future of performance cars going? Do the two merge? Are they two separate things for different buyers? How do you see the two melding in, in years to come? Yeah, so, so we uh, definitely started with the BMW i brand and we brought it into Australia um, almost uh, three years ago in order to make a statement as far as innovation is concerned. So um, BMW i stands for, for innovation, stands for the, the incubator uh, sub-brand in order to bring new technologies in, into the market, be it around um, electric vehicles, be it autonomous cars, or what, whatever you can think of. And that's the purpose of, um, of, of the BMW i and the BMW i performance sub-brands. BMW M, as the name suggests, comes from motorsport, and that will continue to be the case. Um, whether these two brands will actually merge in the future, um, I would say no. Of course, they both uh, serve a very specific purpose, and as I just mentioned, and um, definitely if there are possibilities to, to get one or the other technology out of the M cars into an I car, or from an I car into an M car, we might consider that, but it's, uh, that is certainly too early to talk about that. But yeah, there's yeah, a lot okay. of movement as far as technology. But it's not the case that I means electric and M means petrol, for instance. I mean, BMW is going into Formula E next year, I believe, so therefore, right. A BMW electric car could have a motorsport link then? Not necessarily. Not necessarily? Not, not, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, what, what is more important is um, the BMW M customer expects a car that, that he can put on the racetrack mm -hmm. and uh, that is uh, the, the main purpose of the BMW M brand. Okay, fantastic. So, as mentioned at Frankfurt, everybody was talking about autonomy, everyone was talking about electrification, that was the, the buzzwords of that show. How, as someone who loves driving, you've just told me that you're, you know, you're an enthusiast. You are a car enthusiast. You're a driving enthusiast. How will we, as enthusiasts, continue to enjoy driving like we are now in 10, 20 years' time? Is it are we still going to be able to do that? Do you think, or will it be like, you know, like horse riding, where we all go to a certain club and drive around for fun? No, certainly. Then, then, then there will be enough room and enough space to drive. Uh, cars like the, the, the way we are driving them um, at the moment here in Tasmania. However, um, what will certainly change, and um, obviously you, you cannot compare cities like for like, but um, what we are seeing already happening in, uh, in the metropolitan areas in, in Europe, for example, is uh, that electric vehicles um, will definitely uh, be uh, the name of the game going forward, and that normal combustion engine uh, vehicles uh, will have its challenges. Uh, getting access to, to, to cities. Um, so when it comes to, to um, the way we, we are driving cars, um, autonomous vehicles will certainly have uh, or play in, in, in a certain role in order um, to get congestion down or congestion levels down um, as well as electric cars and getting um, emissions down in, in particular in urban environments as I just mentioned. So we will see a substantial change um, as far as mobility is concerned. And speaking about mobility, um, we are also very active as far as mobility services are concerned with um, on our, our um, Drive Now concept, for example, or Reach Now concept, uh, which we have launched overseas. So all of this together will certainly change um, the, the automotive um, environment as well as customer behavior going forward. Okay, so what do you see as the timeline? I mean, we have there's plenty of news stories now about uh, various cities, as you mentioned, um, potentially banning internal combustion engines in their major city centres. There's talk of some countries, you know, banning any cars that don't have some form of electrification. 
Um, and also, last night we talked about autonomous cars, everything from, for instance, most cars now are level one autonomous in terms of active cruise control, that sort of thing. Um, many cars are now got to level two, which is sort of hands off, you know, lane assist and stuff like that, all the way up to level five, which is uh, completely autonomous. You can fall asleep if you want to. Um, so what do you see as the timeline in terms of having that technology, in terms of legislation and technology to have that future that you've just described. Yeah, our internal line, uh, timeline is uh, yeah probably the beginning of, of the next decade. Mm -hmm. So with our BMW i Next um, vehicle, which we are going to launch in 2021, we will launch this kind of technology which you just described. Will that be level three or level four autonomous? It's it's too early to talk about it okay. because at this point in time, then the major challenge that we have or the major obstacle is uh, legislation. Yeah. Right. And so once we've sorted out um, all the legislative experts, aspects, um, then we can actually launch this kind of technology. But it will certainly be not this decade, but it will probably be next decade. Excellent. Back onto more traditional performance car values. Um, BMW's traditional uh, sort of motto was ultimate driving machine. And more recently it changed to, I believe, sort of efficient dynamics. Which model do you feel in the BMW range best expresses BMW's current ethos? That I guess that balance between offering performance and driver involvement with, I suppose, efficient dynamics that yeah. and uh, that future-looking technology stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably uh, the car that we are sitting in right now. Okay. You know? So the M140i is uh, definitely one of those cars uh, that, that are uh, as extremely aspirational on the one side, but on the other side also an offer a very, very good value for money in my opinion, you know, uh, it's, it's a very puristic BMW, the ultimate driving machine, rear-wheel drive, a manual transmission if you want to have it, six-cylinder six inline uh, straight engine, you know, it's uh, just awesome, comes with all the bells and whistles as you would expect it, uh, BMW connected drive ID6 um, as well, so that's that's definitely okay, what I would there you go. That's uh, that's four children's then that were in this car. Um, and I guess to wrap up, I wanted to get uh, some thoughts on maybe some favorite BMW memories of you. Like I say, you've been with the company 20 years. Have there been sort of a car, a, a moment, a person you've interacted with or met? over the years that a few memories that really stand out? Yeah, I think what really stands out and uh, that's uh, it's, it's still uh, one of those moments which I'll never forget is I met my wife at BMW. All oh, right. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's also almost uh, 15 years ago which is uh, which was definitely one of the most fascinating moments um, working in the company. But um, as far as product is concerned, um, definitely um, driving the BMW M cars on, on the Autobahn. Mm -hmm. I just recently drove the all-new BMW M4 CS okay. and then the Club Sport, uh, which we'll bring into Australia in, in October. So basically next month, which is a cracker of a car. And um, as far as um, experience is concerned, um, I mean, here in Australia, you, you got a couple of the best racetracks in, in, in the world. So um, I was able to drive um, uh, or to, to take a car on um, Bathurst uh, racetrack, mm -hmm. yeah, which is an amazing racetrack, you know, going through the S's and doing the Dipper and the like, you know, uh, and I'll never forget that. And we also launched the M2 last year in uh, April 2016 as part of um, Target Tasmania, 
which uh, was also an unbelievable and extraordinary experience. So, so speaking about great experience mm -hmm. or great moments with BMW, those would probably be the ones. Do you have a uh, particular particular model? If you know, if they could give you a retirement present, you know, in the future, would there be a one particular model out of BMW's past or present that you'd like to hide away in the garage? Oh, that's that's a very tough question, but uh, it would certainly be an M car. An M car, no worries. Well, thank you very much, Mark, for your time. Thank you. We'll let get let you get back to the uh, enjoyable driving on some of these amazing Targa roads. So, thank you very much for watching and listening. Hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time on the Performance Car Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks.